you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a part take Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option and dad is not a noun, not at all. Hey everyone, welcome to Dad Is Not And Now. My name is Ishmael. I hope everyone's doing all right today. I got my co-host for today, good brother, Greg Burham. He is the co-author of a novel called Tuskegee Airs. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? What's going on, man? And then I have the amazing artist, the entrepreneur, the man of many talents, Damar Douglas. Damar, what's up, brother? Yo, what's happening? What's happening? How everybody doing? He's kind of focused right now because he's working on this illustration because um we're trying something a little bit different, something a little bit new here at Dad is Not a Now. And especially with the new animated series coming out um on Netflix, which is out now, called uh Yasuke. And I'm excited to have this guest on because he took diligent work to create this book on this historical story on the legend, the myth, Yasuke. I have the author, Thomas Likely. He has a book called African Samurai. How you doing, Mr. Likely? How you doing, sir? How you doing? Good evening, good morning, wherever we are in the world. Hi, thank you for having me on. No, thank you. So how are you doing? I know COVID stopped the world and everything like that. So how's everything been in your part of the world in Japan with COVID? um that's a good question uh japan has coped relatively well with covid but the economy is is not not good uh and um i think everybody's just tired right now and me included yeah um the world is different the world is much different definitely and then um tell me a little bit about yourself uh, I work for a university called Nihon University, uh, with the biggest university in Japan. I teach a mixture of uh, courses in English, history, uh, education. Uh, my prime specialism is in education, teaching, and uh, with the ways to teaching methods, basically. So that's what I do. Uh, as we're uh, on a father-oriented website. Uh, I'm also a father of two uh, and a husband to one. Uh, and uh, my daughter is 10. I hope that's right. Yeah. And my son is eight. <laughs> and uh, one of the reasons I really wanted to say yes to this is because I think what you're doing is great. We need more fathers involved in lives. Uh, 
whether they be African-American or Japanese or, or English or whatever, we need for fathers to be more involved in their children's lives in general. And I think that's important too, being involved in your child life, but that's also the importance of history. So what made you so interested in history? I, probably my grandfather, actually. Maybe we should have grandfather is not a noun. Uh, <laughs> my grandfather was telling me historical stories from when he was, when I was young. Uh, he was a teacher as well. And uh, he taught classics, which is not something which we teach anymore. Latin, Greek, Latin stories, and all that kind of, you know, nobody learns that kind of stuff now, but uh, 70 years ago they did. And uh, he's teaching me, uh, telling me stories from when I was a baby. And I guess that's probably where it came from. It's a good, good question. No, no, I, and, I, and I think that's important because that pulls me into that world, Yasuke. What intrigued you about Yasuke? Well, Yasuke, I met by mistake on the internet about 12 years ago. And it, it, you couldn't, it's a story you couldn't make up. It's just, a, it's, it's just such an amazing story. It's got, all, it's got all the makings of the best movie you ever saw, but it's true. Uh, Ishmael, you said at the beginning a legend, uh, a story. It's not a story. It's not a legend. It's, he lived. He, he existed. This is a man who was alive 400 years ago and uh, 440 years ago. And um, that's the awesome, amazing thing about this story is that it is real. Uh, okay, in the book, um, we have to build a few bridges around, build it up a little bit to to just work out the world he lived in. But that was all taken from sources. That was all taken from real sources, other people reading and writing about the time. And, uh, you know, that that's the world he would have lived in. That's the world he would have seen. Uh, he didn't write that down, but other people did. And we know that he was walking through those streets. We know he was on in that castle. We know he was seeing those views. And therefore, I think we can say that it's as near to the truth about his life as we can get. And doing that research, tell me some of the challenges you face with your research for the book. Time. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a father, it, it's difficult to, to find time to do other things, but it's important. Uh, it started off as a hobby, basically, and uh, then it turned into something more uh, as it became clear that there was much more of a story than I ever could have imagined. Um, it was the other thing is things like money, you know, to go and travel to these places costs money, takes time uh, to, um, to buy books, to investigate, etc. as well. Um, besides that, it was, you know, there aren't that many sources about Africa at that time, and there aren't that many sources uh, about India at that time that we that are easy to get hold of, and uh, that kind of thing was a bit challenging as well. There's loads of stuff on Japan at that time. There's loads of stuff on Europe at that time, uh, and China, etc. But to find the African sources was pretty, pretty challenging. And then also, um, what makes your book different from other people's account of Yasuke? I don't think anybody else has ever written another account. Of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, 
there, there are various fictions written about Yasuke or uh, books with him as a character. There's a French guy whose name I've forgotten, I apologize, uh, who wrote a book, but I'm pretty sure that it was fictionalized. Uh, there's been all sorts of anime and manga uh, with him as well. But again, they're all fictionalized. So I think what makes mine different is that it's facts, as far as we can know the fact. True, true that. And then also, have you faced any kind of negativity on yourself writing this story? Because you know how we live in this tribal society. Like if you're a white person, you can't tell a black person's story and vice versa. So have you faced any kind of negativity or pushback from this book? Not that I know of. Quite the opposite. Everybody wants to know Yesuke. <laughs> uh, Japan has embraced him. Uh, the, the US, where you guys are, seems to have embraced him. Uh, he'll be in Time Magazine this week. Uh, he's on Netflix, as you know. Uh, Europe, uh, he has been fairly popular. Uh, not quite to the extent of Japan and the US yet, but... Um, I've had people from all over the world, Africa, South America, Brazil in particular, asking questions about him. Um, the only place so far I've not had any questions about is from Antarctica. So uh, that's all the continents. <laughs> Greg, you have a question, brother. I mean, I have a million questions, um, <laughs> but I'm gonna try to, I know we're not gonna be on here for two days. So uh, first off, yeah. I just wanna thank you, like, um, for doing this because uh, as someone who's in love with history and, you know, I'm trying, you know, we try to bring like these certain kinds, you know, contents into the light. Uh, I just applaud you for, you know, taking that step and saying, I'm going to write this book. And I think uh, it's probably the catalyst <laughs> for all these things that we're seeing now, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we're going to give you those flowers. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm just zipping up there. We, we edit that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, as far as, like, I, something I'm curious about, um, what did your, uh, the college that you work for, did, they help you to fund this or did you you funded all of it yourself like all the research uh that, that's a good question um i i have research funds at the university of course and some of that i use to buy books um some of the books i bought myself um some trips uh were paid for by the book so uh you get an advance for writing a book and that paid for some of the trips that we did to investigate. Uh, so the book's paying for itself, if you like. <laughs> and other things, you know, I, I went on a conference down to Osaka and used, went to the conference, of course, with university funds, but then went to Kyoto and paced out the battlefields afterwards and stuff like that. So it's, it's a mixture of, mixture of uh, personal, the book itself, and of course, university uh, is always generous with books and things like that. So, that's it's. I'm, I'm blessed, basically. I've been blessed, and I hope to pass that on to Yasuke. Nice. Um, and then I wanted to, you know, just I don't want to go like 
my idea is hopefully people see this and then they go purchase the book if they haven't already. Um, but I did want to ask like about perception. Um, how sure. was he perceived? I know that they said, you know, that he was kind of like a rock star, uh, yeah. you know, but was, were there people, because how do I say this? So, like racism is, is a weird thing. And we see all these instances in the world where like people weren't racist. They were just, you know, judging people on a one-to-one -one basis. And then, and then this big cloud came over. So was there any, like, was there any racist views towards him or was he, you know, they just looked at him like this amazing figure? Well, there, let's go for the sources first, the, the, the sources which we have. The first time he appears in any sources in the Jesuit source and it's basically the crowds mobbing him because they can't get enough of him all right um it's because he's different he looks different and there you go the second source we have it's the, the next mob is a different mob so i think you can say that he was fairly well received and of course then we, the next source after that, we have he's meeting Nobunaga, his lord, and he's being invited to a party, and he's being given money, and all of that kind of thing. I think in Yasuke's case, we need to look at him as an individual from the factual perspective. From the non-factual perspective, we can look at other aspects. Gods in Japan at the time, and to a certain extent today, are often black-skinned. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you've got this black-skinned guy that you've, ne you've never seen anybody with black skin before. A black-skinned guy is coming into your life. And the only other person, thing with black skin you've seen before is a god or a devil or a deity of some kind. What are you going to think? You know, this is not an age when we have the interview, uh, the internet or uh, television and all these kind of things. And normal people, common people would never even have seen artwork. You know, that their life would have been confined to their city square, their sphere, their farm, their village. And then suddenly this virtual deity look, guy who looks like a god comes in. The, so you've got to look at it from that perspective. Yeah. Racism, that's the second question, the second part of the question, was very, very different in those days from how it is today. People did not conceive of race in the same way. It was not, it was more... Uh, religious based and i'm not saying there isn't religious based prejudice today because of course there is but um people like valiano people like the jesuits did not necessarily they they did judge on race <clears throat> excuse me they did judge on race let's not get that wrong but they were more concerned whether somebody was catholic or not and that was far far more important to them than to what somebody looked like Valiano himself wrote or is believed to have written certain gradations of race uh, and the races of the world. And in that, uh, noticeably, he judges the Africans to be not very, uh, he doesn't judge them very positively. But uh, at the same time, he, he judges the Chinese and the Japanese to be higher than Europeans in this. So the, the concepts of what people thought and this is a very difficult thing to to put into words it was just a different world uh, and we, we have to look at it we have to try and look at it from a different world and 
and try and get inside their skins. And I don't think anybody really can because that's 400 years ago. And the skins 400 years ago that people wore were so different. From the, these are people that, that, that no, I'm not going to go there. We could talk about this someday. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. And that's, and that's the, pur- the purpose of this podcast is to change the narrative and get people engaged to have conversations like that. But uh, Greg took my question because that's the one thing that what I find fascinated about this book is how religion plays a key character in the book, subtle and nuts and non-subtle in that book. And so that's how I think um, Mr. Lockley, you were talking about earlier about how it wasn't more about race. It was the affluence of religion yeah. that played a critical role in, in people engaging with each other. Um, but uh, can you kind of talk about who were the Jesuits? Because I find them intriguing too. Can you talk about them a little bit? In the 16th century, there was a schism, a break in Western European Christianity. Martin Luther, Calvin invented a new way of relating to God, a more direct way. The priest was no longer needed. The Catholic Church was no longer needed. They didn't need to sell talismans or blessings. God would give those for free if you engaged with God. All right. That's where the Jesuits come in because they believed that you you still needed that you need the, the the priest to intervene between you and god they were formed i think yeah you got me here 1540 ish 1540 ish by uh, uh loyola and very quickly they were sending missionaries around europe and then very soon as far away as japan within 10 years francis xavier has reached japan as a Jesuit, he's one of the founding members. Um, They believed that the protection of the Catholic Church was worth anything, essentially. They would sell slaves, children, Japanese children were sold to fund their mission. Their souls would be saved if they were in a Christian household, whether they be slaves or free. The money from selling them would fund other people's conversion to the one true God, blah, blah, etc. They would sell guns, they would do all of this. Yet at the same time, they saw themselves as very pure. They saw themselves as doing God's work and anything they did to reach God's work was worth it. Again, looking back 400 years later, <laughs> it sounds horrific, but they believed, and if you read what they wrote, they knew they were doing the right thing. There's no question. There was no doubt in their minds that they, they, it was they they were doing they were saving souls essentially. And I'm originally from the UK, uh, England, and the Jesuits really believed that Japan was replacing England in heaven. The souls that they would convert in Japan were to replace the souls which the Catholic Church had lost when England broke from the Catholic Church. So you've got a very uh, nuanced, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult question. I'll leave it there again. Wait, no, 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 that's fine. That's, I, I, who, that's who the Jesuits were. And ironically, 
because they do anything to to convert people, they end up being expelled from virtually everywhere in the world. Japan, England was one of the first to expel them in, I think, the 1580s, 1590s. Japan was pretty quick after that. Uh, Ethiopia was 1630. Uh, other areas of the world, Thailand, 1680. You know, they were they were too interfering, basically. But it's it kind of interesting too, because like like later um, in Yasuki's life, you know. The Jesuit saw him as an important figure. Yeah, yeah. I, from a Jesuit perspective, you couldn't get better than Yasuke for public relations. It, it, you can't get more attention called to you than crowds mobbing you. All right, and they would have. They don't write it specifically because it would have been uh, unpolitical to do so. But they would have fed off his popularity. You know. To get crowds watching you is one thing. To get crowds mobbing you is a different thing. And they would have used Yasuke to that end. There is uh, there is a theory, and to a certain extent, I also agree with it, that him being with Nobunaga would have acted as a, to a certain extent as a spy for the Jesuits as well. I mean, not that he would have necessarily been put there on purpose, but having that information, uh, a guy with the biggest lord in the country would have been handy for them too. So, yes, of course, they would have fed off him. Yeah. But also talk about, because like a lot of people don't know him in the States, but talk about uh, Nobunaga. Who is Nobunaga? Nobunaga is probably the most infamous guy in Japanese history. He was a unique man. Uh, he would kill at a just like that click of a finger. Excuse me, click of a finger. He would also he was also loved by his people for um, increasing economic benefits, uh, forcing peace. Basically, what we'd call yeah he kill everybody so that everybody could be at peace, basically. All right? If you've got nobody left alive, then there's peace, basically. Uh, he was that kind of a, he was the kind of hammer kind of ruler. Japan had been at war for 100 years, essentially, a civil war lasting 100 years. And if you can think about the First World War 100 years ago to now, today, war the whole time, everywhere, then you can get a concept of how they wanted peace. Farmers didn't care who was killed. They just wanted to be able to farm in peace. And Nobuno was the man who started that process. And yeah, he would have killed tens and tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people to enforce that peace. But by the time he was assassinated, he had probably taken around about half of the country and enforced his peace on that. Two successors came after him and completed the completed his life's work of uh, reunifying and enforcing a peace on the country. So he's basically like a real-life Thanos. That's how I'm going to describe him to my son next time my son. <laughs> okay, so Nobunaga and Thanos. Right, you got it. Yeah. 
He was. Yeah. And he also believed he was a god as well. He built himself a temple. The castle where Yasuke lived was almost a temple to himself. Sorry, Greg. Oh, no, that, that's good information. Um, and since we are, like, nerds and we're into <laughs> comic books and all this kind of stuff, for all of, like, our fans that are, you know, fans of animation and all that, how, like, as a warrior, uh, like, where would you, like, would Yasuke be put? Because I saw, I've seen things, like, to say, like, what, I guess... Best way to ask this: Was he like a an honorary samurai, or was he a real, real samurai? That is a great question, and again, we have no serious answer to that. But the the concept of samurai is almost a modern concept, anyway. So, uh, essentially, the word samurai probably would not even have been used in those days to mean what it means now. It existed, of course, the word existed. So. Actually, more accurately would be to call him a warrior. Yeah, he was a warrior. He was a warrior in Japan, therefore he was a Japanese warrior. Did he have all the skills that we now associate with samurai or the martial arts and all that? No, almost definitely not. But could he use a sword? Yeah. Could he use a spear? Almost definitely. Could he cut somebody's throat with a knife? Yeah, I'd, I'd put a lot of money on the fact that he could do that. And therefore, that's not so different from the other warriors who are around him. And when some of the few sources we have uh, depict him sumo wrestling, for example, that was a warrior's martial art, a skill. So we do know that he did engage with Japanese martial arts to some extent, but we don't know how much. And anyway, does it matter? This is a guy who traveled the world, not on, not that he wanted to, but he was taken around the world uh, as a bodyguard, as a warrior. And he went from one culture or several cultures, through several cultures, and ended up at the top of a different culture. Now that, even if taking out the weapons and the warrior and the romance and everything is an amazing thing to be able to do. And that was gonna be my thing it really doesn't matter because it's such an amazing, I want to call it a tale. It's a, you know, it's a, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and very inspirational. And one of the things that I'm a big fan of is bringing these type of things to light because what you're doing in this instance is you're showing people, you know, all these capabilities that no matter how many things how many times people say you can't do this or you can't be this and we can say well yeah 400 years ago this happened you know <laughs> and um so again i just want to applaud you for your efforts but thank you we say 440 years ago it happened yeah sure but there are many other instances of similar things happening later on in history as well it doesn't have to be unique and they have they happened before that too these things are not unique. They're just not necessarily recorded or they're not necessarily talked about. And I think what I'd like to do is, and what you are helping me do, or you're helping us all do, is understand that actually there's a bit of Yasuke in everybody. If You can only find Yasuke in everybody. And you, you uh, Greg, you got me calling, uh, calling him Thanos now. 
<laughs> so with Thanos, how was the first introduction with uh uh the first first time they met each other? Can you talk about that? With Nobunaga, right? Yeah, sir. <laughs> I don't think you ever met Thanos. But, okay. Um well there's as as I said, there's a riot. Um we don't know how many thousands of people were in the crowd, but we do know that similar crowds uh, attracted up to 10,000 people, similar riots at the time. So we can say that there was thousands. People were trampled to death. Uh, people were pushing at the Jesuit church, uh, the, the mission building, and it was about to fall down. Uh, everybody was scared. Uh, but five minutes walk away is Nobunaga's residence in Kyoto, the city where they were, and he demands to find out what's going on. What, what, why is this, what, what's happening? Who, who's disturbing my peace? And he sends his soldiers to break up the right and bring whoever is responsible to Nobunaga. The Yasuke was brought before Nobunaga, probably thinking he was about to die. And um, Nobunaga is curious. I mean, he's a curious guy. This is a, a revolutionary in so many ways. And he, um, he, he, it's not recorded, but he basically says, I don't believe you are you. How, how can you have black skin? So he gets a brush uh, and a bucket and he asks him to strip. Yasuke to strip, brushes the skin. Of course, nothing happens. Uh, and Nobunaga goes, whoa, you're real. And then he calls his sons in throws a party for Yasuke, and at the end, he gifts Yasuke a lot of money. Uh, a lot of money. Yasuke is a rich man by the end of that day. And although we're not quite sure when exactly it happened, sometime in the next few days, Yasuke then enters his service. Uh, probably at the beginning, more as a kind of fad, more as, oh, this guy's going to make me look good. Uh, later on, we know that actually Yasuke became a lot more than that. Uh, they talked uh, extensively to the extent that Nobunaga couldn't stop talking to him. That's recorded. Um, uh, of course, Yasuke was given swords, residents, servants, and we presume money to go with them. Of course, you've got to pay for that. And then he was recorded twice as accompanying Nobunaga on campaign in battle. Although until the assassination... He wouldn't. He wasn't in the front line. He wasn't fighting in the battle because he was with Nobunaga. Nobunaga was the general, so he was slightly further back. Yeah. Would you say he was more like? I want like I want to say it, but kind of like I want to say second in charge, but he was like his right hand man because he kind of trusted him. No, no, no. He wasn't. No, he was more. Uh, Nobunaga had a group of around thirty young men around him. Uh, the normal translation into English for those guys is page, page boys. Uh, essentially, more like um, more like mentees. Nobunaga was the mentor. These were the guys who bring up. This is common in Japanese history. You have a very small group of young men around you. They grow older. They get other young men around them. It's kind of education. Yasuke joined that group. Mm. Uh, we don't know exactly what rank he would have had, uh, but um, again, that's not necessarily that important. He was 
is proximity to power that counts, right? right. And, uh, <laughs> and he he was there uh, where where the power was. Um, so he wouldn't have been in command at all. It wouldn't have been a command position. It would have been a learning position. It would have been a an accompanying position, a guy to talk to, a guy to throw things around, ideas. Uh, how do they do this in India? How do they do this? Uh, well, he might have said Africa, but Yasuke would have been too young when he left Africa to, to know what happened in Africa, probably. So. And then also, can you touch on the misconception that uh, Yasuke was a, a, a former slave? Because I know that's been like a debate whether if he was or wasn't. Yeah, um, there's little doubt that at some point in his life, Yasuke would have been enslaved. I mean, that, I think we can say that with a 99% surety. The, we don't know his backstory as such, but we know that at the time the vast majority of Africans outside Africa, the vast majority, had been enslaved at some point. In those days, slavery was not inherited. It was not something that was um, you inherited from your parents or anything like that. It was simply a state. Most slaves were freed at some point during their life. And often, from a military perspective, <clears throat> um, many soldiers had been slaves and bought to be soldiers trained up and then essentially freed to be soldiers and yesuke was probably that kind of a a uh, guy he would have been taken at an early age from his parents probably violently almost definitely they would have been killed he would have been trafficked um across the sea to India uh, or possibly to a different part of Africa. And some point he would have either gained his freedom or become so wealthy as a, as a slave that it didn't really matter anymore. And that happened too. Um, people think of, from a modern day perspective, people think of slaves as being badly dressed, uh, you know, just dressed in rags not having any money, not being paid. That wasn't necessarily the case in those days. You could be enslaved, but rich at the same time. Uh, if you were, again, it's proximity to power. He was the servant, whether he was enslaved or not. He was the servant to one of the most important Jesuits in the world, probably number three in the world. He, he, he would have been far more important than even all the other common people around him. You know, that as a, a level of status, um, again, it's something we find difficult to conceive of these days. Um, but by the time he got to Japan, I personally, having uh, weighed up all the evidence, by the time he got to Japan, I would say that he would have been given his freedom manumitted, possibly 10 years before. I mean, we, we're not quite sure exactly how old he was, but when he was... When he arrived in Japan, he would have been around about 22, 23, perhaps. So, um, and before we end this great conversation, um, the one thing I got from the book personally um, was he Yasuke is a great warrior, but he also showed a level of empathy because he's seen the world 
and he's seen pain, he's seen trauma. He was a part of trauma. Um, that's what I got from the book. But uh, what do you want people to get from reading the book? But that's what I got from it personally, from reading the book. I think, as we said before the interview started, uh, that's something that nobody's actually uh, mentioned to me before. <laughs> all, the, all the hundred times I've talked about Yasuke, nobody's put it in that way. And I suspect that that's, again, everybody can relate to Yasuke in their own way. Uh, he's, he is a factual human being. He lived. He did what he did. We know that. But also, we can also relate to him in our own way from our own perspective and of course as the writer or the co-author of the book with jeffrey gerard uh we would also have put a little bit of us into him as well so and you as the reader uh would put a bit of you into him as well you'll see the aspects of him that you wanted to see and that, that appealed to you and i think that's one of the the things about Yasuke's character is that we can all relate to him in our own way. Definitely. Greg, you have a last question. Tomorrow, I know you're focused. Do you have a question? <laughs> or you just focus on the illustration? No, nah, this is amazing. Nah, that's amazing information. Uh, I, I wasn't aware of like to, to this extent. So I'm like blown away right now. <laughs> that's, my job. that's another reaction to Yasuke blown away <laughs> there you go uh, Greg, I just, Thomas I, I just was going to ask do you have any uh, any other projects coming up or um... thank you for asking um, yes and no I, I've got a few projects in, in Japan which are probably irrelevant to you guys um, and they're mainly education focused because that's my that's my day job uh, I'm a teacher. Um, if in a more international sphere on YouTube right now, uh, in a, with a, um, a channel called Voices of the Past, uh, it's a history-focused channel. Uh, I've got a few documentaries which have been coming out over the last few months, and yeah, they're about they're, they're not about Yasuke, but they're related to that period in Japanese history and. In, in Japanese history and if you like the book I think you'll like those two they're, they're from a different perspective than the normal bland perspective that often is given to history Let, let's make it let's make it fun it is fun history is fun let's uh, let's uh, let's enjoy history for what it is rather than turn it into a dull list of dates or whatever good stuff man. Mr. Lockley, thank you for your time. We appreciate you. I appreciate your patience. You you have the patience of a saint. <laughs> but right. how can people find you? Are you on social media? How can people find you before we had uh, Yeah, uh, on Facebook, uh, Thomas Lockley, author. Please, as Ishmael, that's how you found me. Uh, please reach out if you want to. Um, things that are happening with Yasuke are always posted up there. Um, there's a documentary out in Japan next month, for example. Uh, it's the first full-length documentary about his life. Uh, might be on NHK World at some point, so you guys might be able to see it as well. But for the moment, it's just on NHK, which is 
the Japanese national broadcaster. So that's big. And things like that you can find out about uh, on Facebook, Thomas Lovely Author. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys for being a part of this. It's a great conversation. After you've seen the animation, go buy this man's book because it's worth No, just buy the great. book. Buy the book. You can do two things at once. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. that's what I like. Yeah, we are a uh, society. I agree. Like, you might not even, well, I'm not going to say anything. But yeah, buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Damar, like, are you going to uh, share this image with the world when you finish it? Or? We can put this up on Facebook on the uh, on the Eska page on Facebook. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, cool uh, Mister Lockley gonna get he's gonna get it first before anybody else. We're just gonna let people know that he's gonna get it first. As soon as I get it, the world's gonna get it. So I hope that's okay. We <laughs> 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 on Facebook straight away. That's right. But yeah, Mister Lockley, thank you for your time. Thank you, and we're out of here. Peace. Good luck. Take care. Bye. So for you, yeah, yo. There whenever it matters, and even more when you feel like it doesn't. Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't. No, I'm right alongside you. Here but that, I'm behind you, but always got you. End of discussion. Nothing means more. First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for. Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours. And know that I ain't see a better view yet. I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret. Know that you covered. Not a hurdle or a heartbreak to change what a partake. Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway. My job is to aware you. Fully loaded. Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. My message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything, I wouldn't change anything about it. Everything you're doing from here on out. If it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad.